0: Hey everybody, thank you for checking out the Broke Down Podcast. This is episode number 82. I am uh, excited to be here with you guys once again. Uh, Almost almost didn't get this one done. I'm actually recording it on Monday night. Uh, The interview's done, everything's wrapped up, ready to go, except for this part and the blogs and the imagery and all of that other work that goes with making this thing happen. So I think it'll be a late night, but that's Okay. We're excited to... we. I always say we. It's really just me, you know? It's just it's just me. But anyways, excited to uh, get all of this out here for you. This is going to be a good, fun episode. I had a great talk with Zachary Kale about his recent album, False Spring, as well as many other topics, as you know how these things go. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. First, I want to tell you, as usual... That the Broke Down Podcast is a part of Osiris. Osiris Media is connecting you with the things that you love through podcasts and videos and other sorts of content and what have you. Check out everything that they are doing over at OsirisPod.com. In fact, my friend RJ has a great show over there called Past, Present, Future Live, and the most recent episode is with MC Taylor, somebody who I would really like to have on this show, I gotta say. Uh, but you can definitely hear him over there. It's a great episode. You should check it out. Uh, That, again, you can find at OsirisPod.com. All right, so uh, what's the news? Is there news? There's probably news. There's always news, but we're not going to get too far into it. I can tell you that you will hear me talk a little bit in this episode about the new Garcia Live release. That is Garcia Live fifteen. Zachary and I kind of touch on it, um, and actually, I completely drew a blank when talking about it. Uh, the uh, when the show happened, it's of course five twenty one seventy one from the Keystone. I knew it was from the Keystone, and it's Jerry and uh, Merle, and I think it's Bill Vit on the drums. I, I'd have to look. That would require research and notes and that sort of information. Um, I don't have any of that. I'm just I'm just winging this right now, um, but what's interesting and significant about this is there's no John Kahn. There's no bass player at all on the thing, and it's it, there's it kind of leans them out into some new directions, different directions, a little bit of the, um, I don't know. It would be wrong to make any direct parallels or correlations or comparisons to like the jimmy smith kenny burrell uh organ trio things but it is that kind of lineup martin fierro does sit in uh, and that's pretty rad i have only listened to a bit of it because it's just come out and i've been busy so busy i barely barely got this podcast made um but i'm i'm looking forward to digging into that this week and uh, yeah you should too what else is happening i don't know probably a lot Probably a lot, right? Thanksgiving is this week. Thanksgiving is this week. It's my favorite holiday. I hope that everybody is using their best judgment and taking care of everybody and staying safe and giving thanks for that which we have um, and trying to preserve it, too. So good luck. Be well. And uh, love to your family members and all of you whether you are together or apart. Um, Yeah, I hope you have a great one. So that all being said, let's talk about Zachary Kale. Zachary Kale is a Brooklyn-based songwriter. He's got a number of albums out. I think this is his sixth record, his sixth full-length record. There's a bunch of stuff up on his Bandcamp. You should check that out, by the way, the Bandcamp. You know I always hype the Bandcamp, right? It's a great platform. Even I put music on it. But I'm not here to talk about my stuff. I'm here to talk about Zachary Kale. He's got a ton of stuff on his bandcamp at ZacharyKale.bandcamp.com. His most recent album is False Spring. And it's it's wonderful. I've been listening the hell out of it all year, or at least since I got it this early this year. It's been just a real treat, and we'll hear a little bit from it after the conversation. Um Before we dive right into the recording of the chat, before we dive right into that conversation, I'll, of course, remind you that you can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at BrokedownPod. You can find the blog. People always message me on those other things and say, hey, where can I find the song listing for this episode? The song listings are all on the blog. The blog can be found at BrokedownPodcast.blogspot.com. And if that's too long for you to remember, just Google "broke down podcast," man. It'll get you right there. I swear. You could bing it too if that's your thing. What else? I don't know. That's enough. Let's get into this conversation with Zachary Kale. Well, I'll start by thanking you, of course, uh, for being here and talking with me. As, as I mentioned before, I'm a big fan of your record from this year, and uh, it's called "False Spring" uh, for everybody out there. If I haven't already said it on the podcast and yeah. It's been a constant companion ever since I picked it up. I think I was a little late. Like I I missed when it came out, but I noticed a few people who my respect were talking about it. And I was like, Oh, get this one too. And it's right. really blown me away.
1: Yeah. I feel like I, I don't know. It was, it was kind of a, a, a weird time when it came out. Like it was like, right. I feel like it was right when COVID hit basically that I announced it. So it was just such a strange emotional time for, I mean, not just me, but just like everyone. And I feel like somehow in that, in like, like kind of announcing it at that time, I think everyone was in kind of like a sensitive state that I feel like it, uh, a lot of people connected with it. Um, and uh, I, I feel fortunate. Um, and you had know, the Bandcamp Friday thing that was like, I think that was like around the first time they did that. So that started becoming like this real like COVID kind of isolation kind of everyone's, you know, now it's like every, you know, month, you know, like it's, but something to look forward to. But I feel like that was maybe the first one I kind of like got right on that one. And so, and, you yeah, know, I got, you know, some good, some good reviews in some places that I liked. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad because it's, you know, it's tough when you're, when you, when you, you know, you put out something, but it's like, uh, like can't play shows. And, and, uh, you're just like hoping, well, I'm just putting this thing out in the, into the world and the internet or whatever, hopefully, hopefully it gets discovered somehow. But, you know, I think sometimes, you know, records, yeah. Like something will come out and I won't even know about it until like three months later, you know, it's like,
0: definitely happened for me, but you know, then there's other records that come out and they drop it just, a uh, just the right moment for where you are, kind of what you were saying. So I mean I think this one has uh, it's got a lot of space in it and it's got a lot of uh, room to kind of dig into the lyrics they um, I think my wife used what did she, what word did she use it wasn't morose it was uh, thoughtful it was thoughtful yeah. was the word she used to describe this the when we were listening to it today because um, there there is a lot to it I mean I could just Wrap myself up in that song slide, um, <laughs> and I have like put that one on a few times in repeat. Uh, but it's got a bit of everything. You've got like full band stuff. You've got tracks with it's just you and synthesizer, and then just some uh, like acoustic guitar instrumentals. Um, mm-hmm. And it tells a kind of a long story.
1: Yeah, um, I feel like. You know, it's like a double album, like, you know, two vinyl records basically. And I think I'd always kind of wanted to do that at some point, but I you know, it it also seems kind of like a pretentious thing to try to pull off. But I think I, I hadn't put out I haven't put out a record in a long like in a while. Like the last one I put out was in 2015. So enough time had passed that I just felt like Uh, let's just do a big record you know This i haven't put out something in a while it's just like so you know i was thinking of in that kind of classic rock kind of tradition of just throw everything you know (laughs) there but um you know i think luckily i mean there was actually even more stuff that we cut (laughs) like but um yeah i I think in the end it worked because i i wanted to show kind of what you like what you're saying like this eclectic the eclectic nature of of what I do you know like I think I think that if if uh if this is the first record someone's heard of mine like I feel like it's a good starting point too you know because I think it kind of shows like a lot of different angles of like stuff I like you know And uh so.
0: I think you I think you achieved that I I went back I've gone back and listened to some of the other stuff and um I'm hearing facets of what i've what i'm familiar with but also new angles and and whatnot in the earlier records and it has been a while can you uh what can you quantify the gap the the time in between or
1: yeah well i mean so the record before um i was working with a label and you know it's just that kind of stuff can can be like you know you're sometimes you're waiting on somebody if you're working with a label or something and that one worked out well that was on no quarter but i think the gap kind of was well there was i mean I, I at this is maybe it's not so much a secret but there was another record that i made in between the last the duskwind one and a uh, full spring that never came out so in the five-year interim i mean there was kind of like this you know fall spring was made but also there's this other kind of more singular shorter record that uh didn't come out so i and it was partly because of the label shuffle and like refiguring out how to put out my own stuff again and you know so just like kind of details and like funding and stuff like this stuff that's not that interesting to talk about (laughs) that's all right (laughs) um but you know you know there was just there was a lot of stuff and i guess i mean the gap i mean i feel like there was a lot of music made in that time and that I didn't put out anything for a while. It, it, a little bit was frustrating, but I think in the end with fall, spring being the next thing, it, it felt good, you know, to to have this big thing. And and uh, it was pretty, like, fall, spring, like, I mean, it came out, you know, just last May, I guess, but it, it was pretty much done, like, within a, a year before, prior to that. So, I mean, I think it was all, it was being made and then within a year was being put out. It wasn't like we waited. Whereas like the record that didn't, I mean, I got so kind of, I don't know, it got behind me somehow that I, it just, and then the people that were involved in that one, like some people moved away. It was just like, things were changing kind of in my personal life, I think a bit. And, uh, and just with friends and people you're collaborating with. So, so it just kind of ended up being shelved. And um, the fall spring thing ended up being kind of more of an immediate thing actually. And just like, okay, we, we did it quick and
0: we did it with this group and then it came out quick. So, you know. Well, it, it you know, you recorded a couple different places, but it hangs together pretty well. And it doesn't sound, um, rushed is not a word I would use to describe the record. And not just because it's, you know, double yeah. record or whatever. I think there's a lot of, you know, there's yeah. space in these songs. They breathe nicely. Um, but let's, uh, let's go back further. Talk to me about um, where are you from?
1: Oh um yeah um so I'm from Louisiana originally. Uh I grew up there. I le- I moved around a bit. Um definitely not a New Yorker by any means. But uh, uh I've been in New York a long time uh since 2002. But I grew up in Louisiana. I, I left I left there when I was 12. My parents are uh, my parents, I don't tell a lot of people this. It's just cuz I feel like if I If I go into this, then it's like a whole nother story to to like talk about and explain. But I lived overseas after Louisiana for a while, Um, not military. My parents were uh, teachers, uh, international school teachers. So um, we moved uh, to Jakarta, Indonesia, which is the capital city of Indonesia. And they taught at the international school there. And so I went to that school and graduated high school there so that was like pretty formative you know like teenage years to oh, yeah. 18, you know 18 like started playing music there playing guitar and then um my father my parents actually split up my mom remarried and they were the they they both taught so my dad's from Washington state Pacific Northwest and uh so I went to college there and uh, I was in Washington state for like 5 years and I uh, went to school, college out there, played a lot of music out there, and then moved to New York in like 2002. So I mean, I it's kind of hard. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I'm envious of people. They tell me like, "Oh, I'm from here," <laughs> and it's a yeah. place. Like, it's like, "Oh, it's my hometown. My parents still live there." Like, I just I don't have that, you know. It's, um
0: well, it's a. Uh... It you know it's double edged you know it's nice to have a single place that you could point to as your root and you know uh, an anchor back, but at the same time you know not a lot of Americans have even been to Indonesia or even anywhere out of this country, so yeah. to spend some of your formative years out there is I think that should give you just maybe not musically or possibly musically, but certainly uh, personally a broader perspective on the world. And I think that makes yeah. yeah for a better rounder person Anyway, so
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel pretty lucky to have seen, I mean, just at a young age to have seen a lot of the world. Like, so it was just, I mean, back then, I think as a teenager, I was seeing more of the world than I've seen now. I mean, besides <laughs> like touring and, you know, when I, when I've been lucky enough to go on tour or whatever, like, I've gotten to see some good chunks of it too, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it, it, you know, and musically, I would say you know, Indonesia has its place. It's uh, the music, um, the you know, the traditional music of Indonesia, like, is pretty interesting. I mean, the gamelan orchestra stuff is uh, is is just unique to that to that region, and uh, there's no other music that sounds like that. Those those instruments are they're kind of percussive, but they're melodic. And, uh, they just sound really like, I don't know, just nothing, like nothing else, you know, they're really beautiful. But, um, yeah, I mean, I like to think that like, you know, all the places I've lived, they've all been kind of played a part in the musical, you know, sponging up something or whatever, It like helped me form what I want to do musically, you know, Louisiana is like very rich, you know, with music. So growing up there, even, even though that was kind of before, like I was really playing an instrument, like. I feel like you, you just, I just heard music all the time there. It's just, it's just part of that state. It's just, I didn't live in New Orleans, but you know, even like in the North shore where I'm from, it's just, there's just music, you know, it's just, people just talk music, you know, kind of. Um,
0: so what kind of stuff did you start out listening to and what kind of was inspiring you when you did start playing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like when I first started playing guitar, I mean, I was probably twelve then. I right when we moved to Indonesia. My father played guitar. So guitars were just kind of like in the house like as a kid, like it's like early memory stuff, you know, vinyl records and and guitars, you know. And so that's just something that a visual thing that I just was always kind of gravitated to anyway. And, you know, seeing guitars at a really young age, you're just like, eventually you're just like, okay, I'm going to play that eventually, right?
2: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I mean, some people don't, but you know, I don't know. My dad, you know, I, I'd listen to him play and then, you know, you just want like, well, I want to figure out how to do that. And so, um, yeah, I started playing like, you know, middle school. And I think the kind of music, I mean, it was definitely, you know, rock, rock and roll. I mean, like what was kind of happening then? I mean, like, you listen to your parents' music at first, and then you kind of get over it. I think when I was young, it was more like the punk and like the underground stuff, you know, that was popular in the early nineties. And, um, you know, like, I feel like Nirvana, like when that that came out in like 91, I was like probably in eighth grade. I mean, that was pretty huge, like kind of light bulb thing, just like loud guitars, like emotive vocals or whatever. okay, like I could do that, you know, but I was kind of like into metal and stuff as like, even before that as like a younger kid.
0: Like sure. The, I mean the, the that stuff was, was
1: huge. At all, you know? I was really into like Metallica and, and and stuff like that. And the detail of that kind of guitar playing, I think, probably still in there with me somehow. I feel like it's like I I'd like I'm a finger pick kind of guitar player and there's a lot of pe- precision to how I play it, I'd say, and it probably the metal thing is definitely in there
0: <laughs> somewhere. Cool. Yeah, I was um I was thinking about when Eddie Van Halen passed, how I hadn't really considered it, but he's probably the first guitar player that really caught my eyes and ears as a guitar player as, right. you know, when I was very young. And I've never seriously had any interest, uh, since I played guitar, uh, had any interest of emulating what he did, but, you know, yeah. that stuff and... yeah. You know, the metal of the 80s and those things, they were definitely, um, well, they, they, they were everywhere and uh, formative.
1: At yeah, the same I mean, time. it was just like the age thing. Like I I met like MTV in the 80s. I mean, yeah. I even a teenager now, I was a different little kid, but just the visualization of this kind of like loud, crazy guitar these dudes with the hair and everything, you know, just fire like kiss videos and stuff. I mean, you just, you are know, like, well, what the
0: heck, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 won't deny even being kind of uh, enamored <laughs> with the, the, the hair metal stuff for a minute. Cause I mean, yeah, I, n- again, never really aspired to play that music, but <laughs> when I was a certain age, that stuff, looked so cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. um,
1: <laughs> and some of those guys
0: could really play.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I tried to get in, I feel like a lot of kids my age, you know, like you know, when you're an early teenage teen, you you want to be as flashy as possible right off the bat. Of course you can't do that, you know. Right. So um and then it's like that's why like you then you hear something like Nirvana or like, you know, and you're just kinda like, oh, you don't have to play like that. You can actually play kind of like sloppier and more like, you know, casual and like it actually is just as cool, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just like kind of that nineties stuff and living in in the indonesia was kind of a trip because i feel like we were getting everything later you know like musically like you know like this is before the internet before youtube so it's kind of like i remember having like pen pals with like some girl in ohio that would like make me like these punk rock like underground like rock like tapes you know of like you know like kill rock stars bands and like k records and you know, stuff that was definitely more, not just punk, but like underground, like rock music, you know. And, uh, cool. Oh, look at this band. And then we'd share it and we'd tape it. And you know, just like that was like, that was like how I was in high school anyway. And then I ended up moving to Washington and kind of seeing a lot of that firsthand, like kind of, you know, just great, like DIY, you know, just a good indie music that was happening then at like the end of the 90s kind of. And then New York. I mean, it's like these places. I mean, New York's still, you know, that's there's always something interesting in New York, you know.
0: True. You can't throw a rock without stumbling (laughs) on a show.
1: It's, Um, I mean, it's definitely gone. And, you know, a lot of I feel like I've been here long enough that I've seen so many different like scenes come and go. And it's interesting. I feel like the old guy now, you know, or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, some things stay the same and then other things just kind of die out. Like, Oh, that was like, that was in for a while and then it's gone. Or that venue was here, but now it's gone. Or, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely weird right now with COVID, but I mean, it's hard. I don't see anyone. So it's kind of like, you know, there's, I definitely have like kind of a a musical family here and, and I, and I don't get to see them. So I'm like, I don't even know who's here and who left, you know, I know a lot of people in New York did leave, you know, when it started getting really bad here, like in April and, uh, but I think for the most part, everyone I know that was playing music is still, still here, trying to keep busy and, you know, just try to.
0: Heads down with, uh, logic or whatever they've got on their computer and
1: yeah.
0: find the way out. I imagine yeah. the shows and everything when they can happen, they will happen. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the up.
1: is cool and I, I can't, re- I haven't gotten too, deep into the whole live streaming thing but uh yeah. it's just it's because i feel like you kind of have to be good at that social media and i feel like i'm <laughs> the best at it so it's, i mean or it just you know if you feel a little like i don't know maybe it's like a little like revealing or somehow like because you're like okay here's me in my pajamas like <laughs> like guitar in my house you know it's like i don't know i mean it can be nice but it's also like i haven't i haven't warmed up to it too much yet
0: Yeah, I've uh, I've watched a few, not a lot, you know, I mean, I watched the ones from, you know, Trey Anastasio of Fish, you know, and I don't blame people for not doing it, because it's not the show you want to get, it's not the show you want to play. I know um, even Trey said before he finally got around to it, he was like, I don't know, I I prefer playing for people and interacting with the people that I play with, play for. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, that's really it. Cause I, when I did do it once or twice, what I, with the thing, you're just not getting anything back. You're like, well, do I look at the screen and see what people are saying? You know, it's like, you know, it's like, but then it just, it still doesn't really feel, you're not feeling. And then, but then you're getting distracted from what you should be doing. You're like, oh, I need to be pointing. Like I shouldn't be looking at the screen. and like seeing if someone said, sounds great. Or yeah,
0: I mean, it's, Are they, are they sitting there to watch you look at your computer or. Yeah, I know. That's,
1: that's, <laughs> I yeah, I, I understand. I have hope though I think I think things are starting to to turn around a little bit. I mean, I know that the cases are going up right now, but I do think with this vaccine news that's been coming out, I feel like okay the it's like we're turning the corner <laughs> here I think
0: it's not forever whatever yeah. it is, it's not forever. just uh, we'll get through this yeah so so yeah, you put out this was like your sixth full-length record, as he, as the, uh, yeah. the description goes. You've got several others, some EPs. Um, I kind of bounced through a couple of them. I saw a really cool uh, track on your band camp, a, a cover of Love in Vain, Not that, right. um, that I, I just loved. Um, and you recorded that uh, with Jason Meager at Black Dirt?
1: Right, yeah, yeah uh which yeah, I- that's when jason was doing like this kind of series i mean you probably heard of it but he was kind of like it was like an ongoing series with uh just musicians and his circle of, of friends but it was like a collab like he would ask one person one band or one artist and then pick another artist and he he chose the other. i didn't know mighty moon was the the group that i played with and who i didn't know at all you know, so we just like we met that day and just did that you know and that Love in Vain" cover was something that was kind of like I'd been tinkering I mean since that was recorded I mean that was a long time ago now but uh, I mean I'd toured all over and I'd always like pull that one out you know and like it's gotten more refined over the years like playing it live like now it actually feels like a, a fully formed like that one actually has a lot of open-endedness to it which is probably cool because it's like you can tell we're still like is, okay this is we're just kind of like flying through it like we don't we kind of know it but kind of don't you know so it, <laughs> that's kind of what's cool about it I guess um, and I, that's kind of the nature of I think what Jason was doing with that series and, uh, I, and I actually, so, yeah that re- the record that I didn't release yet which is going to come I think it's going to come next year um, is a record that Jason recorded out uh, at Output Black Dirt so it's like, all, like a whole record oh, cool. that was so um. And it's kind of more of a, it's more of a rock and roll record, I'd say, for, for my, for my zone of things. More <laughs> You're though. kind of rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I get that. Uh, yeah. I've got i um, I've got a lot of things on my shelves that came out of that studio. So uh, I look yeah, forward yeah. to great. getting a little more.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Garcia peoples, I feel like that kind of like really him working with him a lot. I think you can, you can see a lot of connect, connecting People like through them and then uh, the band Pigeons Steve Gunn, um, just a bunch of different people.
0: Well, I mean, the first time I heard of it was when I found the first Jack Rose record I ever bought, was right, Black yeah. Dirt Sessions. So, um, and right. I was like, oh, what's this? Flipped it over, bought it. Turns out he used to live around the corner from me when he was a kid, you know. So, Jack was... um, yeah, he grew up in this oh, town. Right,
1: so. Virginia, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, small world. But I didn't know that the day I bought the record.
1: Oh, that's crazy! Yeah, he was in Philly then. Yeah, I mean, when he was oh, kind of playing those records, right? I met Jack a few times. I mean, he was super sweet, like amazing at some play, like once or twice. I feel lucky that we got to got to see him. But Yeah, pretty pretty amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's. Um, I wish I had seen him. At, uh, his his works, a, outstanding, outstanding. Um, Let's see. I, I flipped through. I really did just like kind of cruise back through your catalog, and um, and it, so there's a a great Johnny Thunders cover on this uh, Galicia. I'm gonna get this. Am I saying that right? Galicia EP. It's.
1: Oh. Yeah, yeah that was in Spain. Uh, this this region of Spain, uh, Galicia. It's kind of not a lot of people know about it, but it's it's kind of like it's north of Portugal. There's this one little section of Spain that's kind of the corner it's like right north of portugal because portugal doesn't take up the whole coast right. line or whatever so that that region that's just north of portugal is the, the galicia region of spain and i uh, i was on tour that was just kind of like a stop thing where i met this guy randomly at a bar and he had a studio i had like a day off or two or something and now, now we've become really good friends you know um but that was just kind of a, a happy random thing that happened on tour and you know I've since gone back to that area a few times.
0: Cool. Um, yeah. Just rolled in and uh laid down. What was this? This is five songs on this.
1: Off and he's like, I got a studio and like, I think, was, I think we were up drinking that night and I just kind of was like, hung over. I was like, okay, I'll go in. We, I was literally in there for an hour. Like went in, just said uh, he had the mic set up, I just, I, we, we didn't plug anything in. Like, I mean, a singing a mic, but it's wow. really just like a mic on the guitar and then me singing. And I just did those, those are just the five songs. I think they were on the top of my head right then and there. And I guess that Johnny Thunder song, I just, I don't know what it was. I just, I think I stumbled across the chords or something. That's what happens with covers for me a lot. is like, I don't play it a lot of covers, but the ones that I do, I feel like it's cause I'm just noodling around on guitar. And then I stumble across like a chord change. Like, Oh, that's that. Right. That's and, then, that song. And, <laughs> yeah.
0: and then the next bit is this and yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. And then you're like, then you kind of, I'm never like one of those people that doesn't cover it that's like, okay, it's going to sound exactly like, you know, the song, you know, it's like I like to just kind of, like the love in vain thing is like a completely, completely made up um, arrangement. I mean, just it's, I couldn't, I can't play like Robert, I mean, the the kind of like the slide, uh, you know, I can't play, I can't pretend to play like that kind of style guitar really. But uh, Rolling,
0: the Rolling Stones took two guitar players to play Robert Johnson. So right uh, and you know, yeah, their
1: version is very like country. Like almost yeah. sounds like a. It sounds like a, it could be like a. Like a like total country version of the song. I think that's why I kind of I always loved that title. I thought that was like that might be oh, the yeah. best. That might be the best title of a song ever. I think. <laughs> you know, it's just I, I think I was watching like this uh, Robert Johnson documentary. I mean, was a long time ago and um and there that song came up and it's like i guess they found this woman that was supposedly written about and like she's this old woman and they're playing the song and she's like kind of having this emotional moment and they're like whoa holy shit that's awesome <laughs> and um wow. and uh yeah the, and I, i that's when i started like kind of i was starting to get really deep into like open tunings and things on the guitar you know like tuning the guitar to like an open chord and uh that tu- that tuning is actually in, it's tuned to open D minor chord, so it's a uh, which is, wow. I guess that's the tuning that Skip James played in all the time. I've written a lot of songs in that tuning. It's definitely it's a it's a it's a crazy tuning. I mean, some people like try it out and they're like, "This thing is crazy. I don't know how you write it. <laughs> it's <this> crazy <laughs> dark tuning." But I don't know. I figured out a way, and I don't know. You stick with it, and so that Love and Vain is actually in kind of the Skip James tuning. But that's, that's a huge thing for me. I mean, I, it's all over fall, spring too. I'd say just, uh, there's, there's some songs in standard, just regular, you know, not doing anything weird with the guitars, but a lot of, a lot of the finger style guitar songs are kind of, you know, they're definitely open tunings stuff. I just kind of like learned from listening to country blues stuff like Skip James or, or like John Fahey, and, you know, Jack Rose too, to go back there again. But, um, yeah, that stuff's pretty important to me. I mean, it's always like a, I mean, I love playing in standard as well, but it, it's like uh, when you play in an open tuning, I feel like you're kind of making up, everything's new again. Like you're kind of like, oh, like, I don't know, like the, the shapes are all, like you're just, you're playing by ear again. And like, oh, I don't kn- I don't know any theory. I don't know anything that's going on here. So I'm just reaching for something until something sounds good. And it's like a good way to, I don't know, come up with something unique. I feel like I me mean, anyway.
0: I, I, I might have to try it. I mean, I find
1: myself in a rut <laughs> now and then, but
0: I, I never really work with open tunings, I do a little, uh, Neil Young, like half drop D
1: every now and then. But, I mean, um, even that's just, even that's something. I mean, Neil Young was pretty huge for me as a kid. And yeah, I mean, just the drop D thing that sets you on a path and then you're like, okay, I'll tune the other E to D. So then you got yeah. two. <laughs> oh, you got the double. You know, like this massive D chord when you hit the D chord like, so it's like just stuff like that and then like then you finger pick around that and then you're like wow this sounds huge and then and then if you just change another string you're like okay I'm pretty much an open D now so I mean it's not it, it all makes sense you know I think and it's fun
0: so you reached out to me and you know I posed the question well do you like the dead and you were like well yeah yeah so Let's uh, let's talk about that. Where did you uh, where did you get hip to Grateful Dead?
1: Well, so my parents were you know my my stepdad and uh, my mom they they were pretty huge in the Dead. San Francisco as a city is just like one of their cities. Like we we'd go there a lot when I was a kid. Um, but uh, it was just like music that I heard growing up a lot. And I feel like when I became was a teenager, I kind of recoiled. From, I did the typical, like I don't want to listen to my parents' music. So I kind of like really rebelled. I was like, oh no, I like punk and like noise music and Sonic Youth and stuff like that. You know, like right. I don't want I don't want to hear any hippie stuff. You know, and um, and then you know you get older, and then in like college. You know, it's like after college, I think I came when i got really into like where it all really started making scissors because well partly it's because i already knew it you know so when i did get into it it's like oh i already i already know this music you know in a lot in some ways but i think i came backwards through it because i love like dylan and like you know old folk music and um like the harry smith like anthology of folk music and that kind of stuff and then when i started getting into jerry and kind of like his his style, I was, I was like, oh, he's, he's like Dylan. He's like this encyclopedia of music. Like he knows yeah. every song ever. Like you know, he's, he's this jug band like banjo player guy. That, you know, it's like that's just multi talented. You know, like and I think that kind of that angle, that American kind of thing, was like what because I was like already deep into country music when I was in college. Like really into Willie Marl Haggard. You know wailing all that stuff and and Proper so country yeah so then i like hearing the dead like do those songs and stuff and then doing like dylan song i was like i was already really deep into dylan so it was just like it all made sense to me and then it's like well i already know this music too so it was kind of like it was like coming back home in some way you know
0: um
1: nice like you know but i would say when i was a kid you know i heard you know the albums mostly you know i didn't i wasn't really digging too deep into a live, you know, catalog of stuff, but um, now, now I feel like I'm pretty pretty well versed, not as, as crazy as some of my friends, but um, but you know, I, I definitely have a deep appreciation. And uh, I was listening to uh, Reckoning uh, a couple weeks ago, I don't know what it is about that one, I really like that one. It's a uh, for that time period, I, I feel like i kind of it's like 1980 around and i feel
0: yep.
1: at that point they're kind of like i think they know they're a legacy band at that point like they're old enough that it's like okay now we're gonna go back and like play some of our old stuff you know and play acoustic again play the the small ballrooms again you know so i feel like when i hear that recording i feel like oh wow it's like they're like knowingly doing this like we're going back kind of or something, you know, yeah, we were, they uh, sound so good
0: then. You know? I had somebody on a while back we were kind of digging into Bob Weir's guitar style. And, um, uh, and that was, when we got to the acoustic stuff, you know, we looked at, uh, now it's escaping me which song it was, but uh, one song that they hadn't played since they played acoustics, that's 10 years earlier in 1970, it was just, Great. and they picked it up right where they left off, although, you know, Bobby for was our key example here, had advanced as a player quite a bit, right. um, changed as a player quite a bit, mm-hmm. but yet yeah, they just sat right down and they just jumped right into who they used to be, or at least this new version, this 10-year-older version of the same band. And yeah, those yeah. shows are, um, I mean, some of my early favorite stuff reckoning was a one of my early favorite albums for sure it's one of the yeah. you know the first few that i bought on vinyl um,
1: yeah it's a hard one to find now i feel like it, i don't you know I, I don't know if it's just trying to rest of it I didn't like press a lot i mean i feel like i don't know i just i just never see it you know in a now and like in the wild so much but um, it's got it. such a cool fitness too i feel like uh like a lot of old folks on like the dark hollow they do the elizabeth cotton song you know they do the uh, that song china doll that that's oh. great great i mean i think it's like i don't know what keyboard it, that is it almost sounds like a harpsichord or something like I, it. but it's like a yeah it, it sounds really baroque almost or something you know it's like it's it's really beautiful i mean jerry jerry's singing on on that and a bunch of those tunes are like some of the best i think jerry's ever sounded i think Yeah, certainly
0: as far as live stuff like his his voice is so good and it's he's able to like i don't know the audience was cooperating the pa was just right and he's able to really just emote very well
1: yeah Um,
0: and it's a few years before things got you know more fried up in the throat so
1: right i yeah i mean i feel like i'm pretty into them in the 80s it's just you know once the coma it's like I, i don't know and then I'm not so into like the uh, the MIDI guitar stuff so much. Like, I mean, I can get down with it a little bit, but it's just kind of goofy to me the sound of it. Some of the late '80s, like uh, I, I was watching those Shakedown streams a lot during, you know, when you know, just during COVID, just because it's like something to do on Fridays. You know, it's like. And a lot of, a lot of it kept veering towards like late 80s and I was like ah oh, really more of this <laughs> it was, it's fine I can hang with some of it but you know just some of the sounds that feel like the guitar pedals they're using and things I think are a little dated to me now whereas like in the 80s the early 80s I feel like it's still it's basically like the 70s still it's still got you know the kind of classic old pedals nothing to uh to uh it just all sounds pretty vintage to me still and I was yes. like, that's not, they're not like a stadium. I mean, I feel like maybe that eighty early 80s stuff too is the fact that they're playing in those little ballrooms again is like what's so cool because it's intimate. And uh, like, you know, I've, I've never been to Radio City Music Hall, but I mean, I've walked by it many times in New York. It, it's a small place. I mean, they used to do like the MTV Music Awards there and stuff, you know, and like in uh, the Warfield in San Francisco is like, I think the last time I was in San Francisco, I mean, I walked, like, I randomly found myself right next to it, like, walking by it. And this was probably, like, five years ago, six years ago or something. And it just looks so haunted. And, like, amazing. makes it just this kind of crumbling old, like, haunted ballroom. Like, just so cool looking. I mean, a lot of homeless people kind of, you know, just lounging around it kind of. But just, it, it, looked, it hadn't looked like it had been touched in, like, you know, 30 years or wow. Like, you know, it's still there.
0: Yeah. And that was, uh, that was Jerry's house. I mean, he played there so many shows he played with kept playing there with Jerry band right up through, right to right. the end.
1: Um, yeah, I think he loved that, you know, and I guess, you know, him playing in his own band, like a lot in his last years or whatever. I feel like he wanted to play, you know, those types of rooms, you know, I think was starting to get like, you know, it's not so fun to do the big stadium thing all the time i mean i could see how you get burned out on anyway
0: yeah i mean you know pushing the big machine of grateful dead around was probably i think it's pretty well known that it was a bit of a burden um and when that's what you get you know is the uh stadium feedback versus you know playing a small room playing just whatever song you really want to play you're not, right. you know, Jerry band wasn't, they didn't have to come around with trucking every couple of nights, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or, or more importantly, nobody was telling them, Hey, let's play trucking every couple of nights where yeah, Bobby, I, you know, had to take I his really turn
1: loved into all the live Jerry band stuff. But I, I guess there's a lot there too. I just don't really, I mean, I know there's something that came out a few years ago. that was like a pretty extensive like box set or something.
0: They've been uh, trickling out shows uh lately. Um mostly on CD but also some on vinyl. Uh they've got they just announced one. It it's a uh, Garcia Saunders from 19 I want to say I I've I'm drawn a blank. I should check my notes. Pretend I checked my notes. Uh from the early 70s. Um and it's basically Jerry Merle and uh a drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, no bass player which is mm. pretty cool. Uh, horn player, I think sits in, Martin Fierro sits in for a good bit of it. Um, nice. yeah, which is pretty cool.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, no bass player. That's interesting. I wonder if, like how they were holding down that. maybe cause it's slightly more acoustic. They're just like, Oh, we don't need, uh,
0: you know, Merle probably used the bass pedals on the organ or something.
1: Right. Yeah. So I, cool. I can't wait to get that. Yeah. Yeah, I just I I, feel, I have one dead song that I can play. It's it's Stella Blue. It's the only one I actually know how to play. Oh wow! I, I should I should I should actually just record it. I, I feel like uh, I did this. I did this like really it was right. I was like December, I'd say. So it was like it's actually one of the you know last shows I played before COVID. Um, I don't know if you know this guy Dan Aide. He's like a steel player. Um, plays with Kath McCombs. Oh, cool. Like, his band, uh, you know, I guess, like, I saw you did some with Dan Horn. I feel like he's played with all those guys, like this California guys.
0: I'm sure I have him on one of these records or something, <laughs> okay. you know,
1: but, like, I just, the name
0: isn't jumping out to me right off the top yeah, of my he head. he played
1: on a few songs on uh on False Spring on my record. Uh, the, the songs that you hear any kind of steal on it, that's actually, that's Dan. But, um, oh, okay. He was doing these kind of Tuesday kind of free shows at Union Pool where, he just picks a couple musicians and and you just go. They just you just go up and play. And like there's like there's songs sometimes or jam or whatever. But it's just kind of like friends in New York. So I did one with Mike Bones and a couple other for like the drummer from the Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds was there like randomly. And he played. It was just it was just wow. kind of like some of the people that were playing in the band. So we had this really kick-ass band. And we all brought like a couple covers in, but like, you know, we didn't practice. I mean, we just kind of like, we had the, song, we had the song court, like the chord changes on a, on a sheet of paper on the floor, you know, but like, that's it, you know, but we did, I we did, I did uh, play Stella Blue that night. So it was like one of the, the last tunes I played for live.
0: <laughs> yeah. hey, uh, pedal Steel on Stella Blue is a nice touch. I've heard a couple of different takes on that song that, it, including yeah. some with steel guitar that are, it can yeah. be uh it's well suited, I think.
1: Yeah, it has a lot of space in it. The chord change, it's kind of major to minor, just has like a real interesting kind of lilt to it, I think.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, um please do record that. I would like
1: to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like yeah. to hear it. I did like a thing for Aquarium Drunkard like a couple of years back where I did a couple of covers. I feel like I I'd do for another one. I should try to be the covers that I kind of know right now and just do something.
0: Yeah, well, we'll uh, I, I'll excerpt this little bit and we'll put it out there and get it in their heads. <laughs>
1: All right, well, great,
0: welcome. Anyway, Zachary, thank you so much for uh, talking with me. Um, yeah, thanks for having well, me. I, before I let you go, what do you think I should play? I mean, I have a pick of my own, but do you have a recommended track for uh yeah, I mean, you should play, I everybody?
1: Yeah, I mean, me. I, I haven't listened to the record in a while. But right. uh, I, I trust you for whichever one you want to play first. Uh, okay. Really, I mean, I feel like one that came out really well. I, I, Mad Season, I think, is one that, I, that I'm pretty proud of. Uh, the second song. Um, yeah,
0: that's that's a great one. Uh, right? I mean, I, I could probably recommend all of these. In fact, I am recommending the whole record to everybody. But... uh <laughs>
1: The riverbed's another favorite. I feel like that one just kind of really turned out. Let's see if we're good on the record um, slide. You like that one? That's like probably the best solo acousticy one I think. Um, on
0: the record. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, you know, we'll let everybody guess. Uh, I'll play play something, then I'll tell them what it is after, um, cool. and then we'll get into some Grateful Dead. Um, thank you so much for taking a yeah, few minutes yeah. to talk to me.
1: All right. Have a good one. Cool. You too. Thanks
0: That was a great chat with Zachary Kale, and then on into like straight on into Mad Season from his album False Spring. Again, you can find Zachary's music at zacharykale.bandcamp.com. You can order records there, digital downloads, all of those things, uh, CDs maybe, probably. I don't know. I don't. I don't really order them too much, but um, he probably has them. Anyways, check that stuff out and. Now let's talk dead, you guys like Grateful Dead right? So you heard Zachary and I talk about the the nineteen eighty shows that comprise reckoning and kind of more generally his preference for the sound of those days, which uh, i I think is is pretty reasonable that's before things go entirely digital and i can I can dig that. We're gonna look right in on those days and give you a taste, so you know these shows were heavily mined for both reckoning and dead set as well as the so many roads box set the beyond description box set as well as that little uh, October 9th and 10th release that came out just last year so what we're going to do is we're going to zero in on one particular show and i thought well i'll just i'll just pick one that has good decent quality has some good songs and we'll just put together a little mix and that show in question is October 2nd 1980 from the warfield as you probably know, this is a three-set show, as these were, the first being acoustic, followed by two electric sets. This one is interesting because set three actually opens with drums that did not preclude the standard mid-second set drum segment, but they opened with drums into space. Um, and what follows is, well, it's a set that I I decided not to break up. It just flows, man. Um, I... Yeah, I, I'll tell you, there's a Sailor Saint in here that I would have probably skipped because I just played Sailor Saint, like, I don't know, five episodes ago. You know, we've just done a bunch of early 70s stuff in the past few episodes, but before that we did, you know, there was a Sailor Saint, and I, I would have skipped it, but let me, there's no lie, no lie. There comes a time, flows right into Lost Sailor in such a way that y- you'll understand. And then from there, it's just, the whole set just kind of goes, and and uh, and so yeah, you're going to get a whole shit uh, Can I say that? Wait, it's my show, I can say what I want You can get a whole shit ton of Grateful Dead on this one Sorry about the kids being in the car Or wherever you are Hopefully you're not driving around with them Um. But yeah, lots of Grateful Dead Great music Good times I will say that Terrapin into playing in the band Is not um. It's not the best transition That they've done of that pairing But it works it works. Um, there's a, there's some good treats here. I hope you really, I hope you love it. Um, cherish it. Play for the family uh, while the turkey cooks. And everybody's picking at the hors d'oeuvres and wondering when the bird's going to be ready. Make sure you don't overcook the turkey. Uh, a wise man I know used to say, and probably still does, the most important thing you can say to the cook once everything's on the table is, mm, this turkey is moist. A lot of people hate that word, but it's the right word to use when you're talking about that turkey. I don't care how dry it is. You look right in the eyes. This is moist. This is some good moist turkey. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, uh, jokes aside, let's uh, let's get into some music. As always, you can find me on the Twitter and Instagram at Broke Pod. You can find the Show notes with all of the set lists, track listings, whatever you want to call them. Links to all the good stuff at BrokedownPodcast.blogspot.com. I am your host, Jonathan. I want to thank you once again for being here with me. I am thankful for all of you. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another show. Until then, be well.
3: I'd rather be in some dark hollow Where the sun don't ever shine Than to see you and another man's darling and to know you won't never be mine So blue to the wind, so freight train Take me far Be in some dark hall where the sun don't ever shine, than to be in some big city in a small room.
4: Comes a time when the blind man takes your hand, says, Don't you see how to make it somehow on the dreams you still believe.
3: Jump as hard as spinning. Your helmet swinging to and fro. Ooh, where's the dog Maybe a place you've never seen now Maybe you just drifting out Is This a place you've never been Maybe a face you've never seen it.
4: And he loved the lady many years ago. Here beside him stands a man, a soldier, from the looks of. Lord Oh
3: treetops just looking for their kites. Well, I can tell your future. Oh, look what's in your hand, but I can't stop nothing. I'm just playing.
4: Bye-bye. (laughs) in up. The pavement lane, and broken dreams, and there's just a song. C'est la There's nothing. It seems like all this life was just a dream.
3: Sunshine. Sunshine, daydream. Sunshine, daydream. Come on, come on over, daydream. Sunshine. Daydream.